Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. Welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Friday morning, September 20th, 2019. He is Tristan. I am Eric. We are both wearing our MeUndies today. I don't know what Troy Farkas is doing. He pushes all the buttons. Today's fine show, last normal weekend preview before the final week of the season, plus players being lost to injury and some being found. Kevin Biggio is cycling. Some closer advice and as always, myriad hash browns. Tristan, Kevin Biggio seems like he's a pretty interesting fellow in the uh, analytical community. Some like him, some don't. We'll get to that, right? Yeah, we definitely. He is an interesting case. He's a very he, interesting he, case. Yes. He did something very unusual too, which we'll get to. Well, let's get to it. Here's the buzz. All right, so he cycled the other day, just like his daddy Craig, uh, but he also stole two bases in that game. Is that right? Correct. That's got to be rare. Oh, it is rare. It is only the second time it has happened during the retro sheet era, which is well over a hundred years. The other one who did it is also very unusual. <laughs> I, what is it, a pitcher? I don't it was know. it was Milwaukee Brewers catcher Charlie Moore who did it in the third to last game of 1980. You know what? I do recall. I don't recall that happening, but I do recall reading about a catcher doing that at some point. Yeah. Um, Tell us why Biggio is so interesting in the analytical community. Because some of our friends, not naming names here, but some of our friends who do this and we respect, just don't think that Biggio is going to be very good as a major league player. Not because of his defense or whatever. Just because he's a strikeout guy, but he's also a walker. It's pretty clear he has power. Nobody thinks he has awesome speed, but he's 13 for 13 in stolen base attempts in only 91 games. So this projects out at like a 25-25 season. So what's the problem? Uh, I, I think the problem, my theory, is that he's too patient. He fits that description probably better than almost anybody else in the game right now. Uh, one of the reasons he's got such a, a high K rate and a high walk rate is that he knows the strike zone, but he also just sits back and doesn't swing. His swing rate is one of the five lowest in baseball among guys who have at least his number of trips to the plate. So what I wonder is... Does he become more aggressive next year? He's going to need to do that in order to untap some of that power, to improve the batting average, to make more contact. The seeds are all here. It's just I don't know what kind of player he's going to be. Yeah, but he also has a 112 OPS plus, so he's 12% above league average. His OPS is 794. There's nothing wrong with what he's doing. So no, no. I'm, I find it odd that people are saying he's not a good player. What if he just makes an adjustment? People make adjustments. Look, Scott Kingery made the adjustments this year to be more aggressive, didn't care about the walks, hits the ball hard. His extra base hit to at-bat rate is among the best in, best in baseball. Biggio can get better. Bottom line, are you ranking Biggio, do you think, as a top 100 fantasy option next year? No, not a chance. But Not I do a chance. He's got 15 homers and 13 steals in 90 games. He's he w- and, and, I mean, I didn't do the update for today, but he was second baseman 39. Now, granted, he wasn't in the major leagues the whole year, so that has something to do with it. But he has no chance of the top 10 for the initial rankings. Now, what I'd say is, mm. I like where you're going on the upside. I think there is a, a path to him getting into that top 10 next year. There's no way you're drafting him as a top 10 second baseman, though. Is there? I mean, even with the the, the lighter second base I, position. Are you, are you really going gonna... to... I just want to point out how yeah. a lot of the time we look at how players finish seasons, okay? Mm-hmm. And we say, oh, he's no good anymore. Or look at the great second half he had. This is a top... 
This is the number 19 hitter on ESPN's Playerator over the last 30 days, and I would imagine, I can't see it for myself, that since the All-Star break, he's pretty good on our Playerator. So, and you're saying maybe because he won't steal bases next year? Like, I, I, I don't see what the problem is here. Like, he can make changes to get better. He's never going to win a batting title. We all agree, agree with that. And I'll agree, yes, it's it's tough to make him a top 10 second baseman because there are 10 better second basemen. But why can't this be a top 100 player next year? He's been a top 100 player for the last three months. There's a difference between being potentially a top 100 player and being drafted as anything near that. That's okay. really where I'm at with him. So give me his final numbers for next year in 600 plate appearances. I'd like to see him get his batting average into the 260s. I'd like to see him hit 20 home runs. I think he can do that. Uh, and I think he's still going to steal you in the, the teens and still in, in stolen bases. You I, like, I think he's a decent player. I, and I think he has there is 15 home runs and 391 PA. You're, you're not, you're going to say he might well, not get okay, the 20? The baseball, you know, I mean, if we want to throw 40 homers at everybody, then right, so okay, he's I'll a give product him 20, of the baseball. 30. So he joins your list of Cattell Marte and no, Brian Meadows of no. Austin Meadows of uh, of being guys who are are really taking off because of the baseball. That's fair no, if that's no, what you want to say. That's not what I'm saying. Right. That's it's the the point is that it's all in terms of the context of home runs in this league environment. If we want to say that he's you know what 60th in home runs next year, uh, you know, do we need to put a ranking number on it? Okay. I, I I think he's capable of hitting home runs. So you, him or Cattell Marte next year? Marte. Moving on, um, let's talk about some injuries. Speaking of Cattell Marte, because it seems like I, I don't—I don't want to say I've never recalled this before. Maybe it happens every year, and I just forget about it. But a lot of players are dealing with injuries right now. Some have been ruled out for the season. Obviously, Mike Trout, Christian Yelich. Some might still return. Mookie Betts, Javier Baez, the two big Pirates, Marte and Bell. And then others, we just don't know. They're unclear. Cattell Marte, um, Anthony Rizzo did return. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton did return. Jose Ramirez might return. Your other Yankees, Edwin and Gary Sanchez could return. It's really strange right now to me. Is it to you as well? It definitely is. The Rizzo one really, really took that me by surprise. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, watching that injury, that, I mean, I'm, I'm wrong two weeks in a row on Cubs, and I, I don't feel bad about it. I think the right decision was looking at Rizzo's injury and the severity of it and the five to seven day timetable they gave. It was the right move to sit him. Um, the Red Sox won that situation with Mookie Betts and JD Martinez drives me up the wall. I mean, you know, Betts is an, uh, is a can't, is an undroppable player. Well, we could change that, but the point well, is yeah, like, and should we? Well, yes. I mean, if he's not coming back and we don't know if he is or he isn't, but like, Teams that are out of the race, it's almost like, it's weird. Why are they doing this all of a sudden? I don't recall this in past season. It's like the NBA and NFL now with like week 17 in NFL. Like, we'll just sit Mookie for the final two weeks and without, and not tell anybody. I don't see why that's happening. At least with Marte, like, well, Mookie's hurt, obviously, but with Marte, there's a, there's an MRI coming on his back. Maybe it already happened. It's just, right. And now we lost Colton Wong last night with the hamstring. I just, it seems like a lot more players are injured. What are you doing with Stanton in these final 10 days? Are you activating him in a daily league? Are you just, if he's active, if he's in the lineup, do you play him? What do you do next week in a weekly? Yeah, in a weekly, I mean, based on the fact that so many other alternatives are also going to miss time, I'd lean towards him being a go for weekly leagues. But I would really rather, especially in our game with the daily transactions, pick and choose from when he's in the lineup and when I like the individual matchup. I'm looking at taking a look at the, the player rater for the last 10 days because some interesting stuff. Cody Bellinger and Alex Bregman are apparently tied in uh, points in head-to-head uh, -head points formats at 560, at least in our system. And Rendon is right behind. Freddie Freeman's right behind. This is among batters. And I just think that's really interesting because, you know, somebody's going to win. And then on the player rater, um, Ronald Acuna might end up 
passing Yelich for the number one spot. I think he's, what, three steals away from 40-40. What an amazing season. He's 21 years old. Right now, Yelich leads, but he can't add to it or detract. Acuna is second, then Bellinger. Jonathan VR is the number four hitter for the season on the player. Yeah, Jonathan yeah. VR. How about that? It's, I mean, VR is, and we talked about him two shows ago. I think it was. He's, he's been very underrated. Three steals away for Acuna and third guy, third player in history to hit 40 homers at age 21 or younger. Uh, Verlander will win the overall player rater. Uh, Garrett Cole is probably going to finish second and they are far ahead of any, the number three pitcher, Shane Bieber. How about that? Yeah. Shane Bieber. Yeah. And I was reading Keith Law's piece the other day about players he was wrong about. And he's right about far more than he's wrong. And Bieber, is, it was half of my sim team. He <laughs> had Bieber on there, Luis Castillo, <laughs> uh, Jeff McNeil. Like, these are players I invested in. And I thought, well, why not? Well, if everybody says that they're going to be bad, that doesn't mean anything to me. Maybe they're going to be okay. And that's why I'm asking you about BGO. Because right. I would totally go in, whether right. it was sim or fantasy, and just see what happens. People I, are wrong. I, but I like where you're getting at the the potential for these players. To me, it's a very different thing between the upside of the player and the draft stock of the player. By the way, I have your BGO update on the, since the All-Star break. Okay. Well, actually, it's since July 1st, which was about the mathematical. Yeah, what is he? Season. He is second baseman 11. 237 average, 9 and 9. Okay, so the batting average is the only reason he's not a top 10 second baseman. And and I think a lot of the batting average gets cured if he has a different approach. So that's going to be something on my watch list for spring training. I can't tell you for sure that I'm going to make him a top 100 overall player in our rankings because I don't know. I have to do the rankings first. There might be too many good players that have to go ahead of him. Mm-hmm. 20 homers and 15 steals in barely half a season is amazing. But you're right. Some of the power is not real. Just, you know, just... Same way Jorge Soler is not going to hit 50 home runs next year. But to, um, to your point, though, he's 161st in the overall. Uh, That's not bad. That's not I'm bad. I'm probably going to rank him ahead of you because I like steals, but he's not out of modesty either for speed. He's just huh. stealing bases because he wants to. Right, right. He doesn't really have the natural speed to steal 30. Let me read this, and then we'll get on with some fun stuff. Hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura's COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job, so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With the results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers that post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash K-A-R-A-B-E-L-L. ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now, the smartest way to hear the combo meals. Hey, it's a combo meal! All right, so Bijou did his act on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday was Bryce Harper and Jonathan VR. What an amazing season for VR and Trey Mancini too. Like, like we we always talk about VR. Mancini's not as high up on the player rate for the season, but Trey Mancini's had a fantastic season. Yeah, he has. He's you know? actually been one of the more underrated players the entirety of the year. Pretty consistent as well. Which, yeah, yeah. good for him. I mean, I don't know. Like, why would Baltimore keep VR next year? Like, shouldn't they try to get whatever they can, like do a Miami Dolphins and just say, well, if we're going to lose 100 games, let's really lose 100 games. It's not like you're playing for a draft pick in baseball, but 
you know, like they could fill. Hanser Alberto, Alberto, Alberto is not going to win the batting title, but a really nice season for him. He's a regular. They can find another middle inch. They have one. They have Richie Martin. They have to find out what he is, or they can dump him in the minor leagues for uh, all of next year because he won't be Rule 5 anymore. Right. I'm just saying, like, VR, maybe they can get something good for him that's uh, a prospect or two that could help them. And it might make sense for them, considering that he's an arbitration-eligible guy who made nearly $5 million this year. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. He could end up somewhere else. I actually think I'd rather see him there just for fantasy. <laughs> well, you could bat him and Mancini one, too, and let them go off again. Exactly, and that's going to boost the plate appearances that he's probably not going to get on another team. Yeah, you put him on another team, he might bat seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, now it's time for the Closer Carousel. The, the Closer, closer Carousel. carousel. Uh, all right, let's talk about some sneaky options here for the past week. We could rip on Craig, Kimber- Craig Kimbrell for another 10 minutes, but there's no point in doing that. Um, so give me somebody who – now, look, there's a lot of saves available in ESPN standard leagues. People just didn't want to pick up Mark Melanson, Archie Bradley, Brandon Workman. So we're not going to waste time there either. In most leagues that are deeper than this or expert leagues like you and I play in, you know, everybody, even a Jairo Diaz is gone. So can you give me a name or two of somebody you would pick up for this final week that might get some saves? Maybe somebody in Cleveland, um, anyone, I don't know, but maybe Seattle, but I don't see it. But uh. Yeah, I don't see it there either. Uh, I think the one bullpen where we've got available players right now is Pittsburgh's up-in-the-air situation where Keone Kella would be the most likely option to me. Not the best of outings yesterday, giving up the three hits and his one inning of work, but I think he's, based on the past experience, got a shot at uh, doing that. He's got the stuff to close, perhaps. Uh, they could throw Francisco Liriano in there for a situational save, but then that's going to the same Cleveland direction while Brad Hand's out. Right, and for Cleveland, I just don't know if Brad Hand's pitching this weekend. He hasn't pitched in over a week, so right? James he, Karinchak, what do you think of him? Yeah, a lot, yeah, live arm and definitely an interesting prospect, kind of in that, that Andres Munoz thing. And by the way, Munoz shut down for the year. Eh, bummer. Um, but Hand did start throwing bullpen sessions. It is possible Hand comes back before the end of the year. Okay, there you go. All right, that's your closer advice. Now we're going to take a look at the schedule here and give people help for pitching uh, performances. Let's take a look at the schedule. So Friday, there is a day game, so please get your lineups in early if you're in a daily. Michael Walker and Alec Mills, who might be an opener for Chicago. I don't know how deep he's going. Um, ESPN has a doubleheader today. Uh, Shane Bieber, who's awesome, number three starting pitcher for the season, and he's hosting Drew Smiley, who is not awesome. Philadelphia clinging to wildcard life, but it probably will end by the end of the weekend. And the Indians, they're in a wildcard race, too. I mean, one team between Cleveland, Tampa, and Oakland is going to miss the playoffs, yep. which is incredible to me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in the National League race, Cubs, Brewers, I think the Cardinals have, are winning their division. But Cubs and Brewers and Nationals, that's a race, too. One of those teams is going to miss it. Can yep. you imagine Cubs actually missing the playoffs? It's amazing. Yeah. And they're in a really tough spot now. They are. They yeah, are. Really, they play the Cardinals to finish the season. They've got a closer who's very questionable. We, yeah, we just said we're trying to avoid knocking on Craig Kimbrell there. They're losing Cole Hamels for a start, as you mentioned, with Mills pitching here. They're playing the Cardinals this this uh, weekend with two questionable starting pitchers now on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. they got some issues there, um, and, that, and they could be a major shakeup after the season with the manager and other stuff. Uh, the night game on ESPN is Peter Lambert of the Rockies at Clayton Kershaw. You do not want any Rockies in this one. Um, any other pitchers here that interest you? Um, Annabelle Sanchez at Miami interests me. Um, sure. DeGrom and Luis Castillo, that should be fun. Yep. Oh, ESPN Plus has our, our pal Rick Porcello and Charlie Morton. Um, you do not want Porcello in this one. <laughs> Even though, I will tell you this, the one place where Porcello has had a career history of decent performance is Tropicana Field, but no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. By the way, um, Mike Fire's back tonight. 
Mike Fires is back tonight, but something's wrong with him. He's hurt, right? Yep. I mean, so I don't, I wouldn't trust him. Remember what we said before about how he had had all those quality starts in a row? He's got six non-quality starts in a row now. Yeah. yeah you look, when things change, you have got to act in fantasy. You don't just trust four months of action if a guy is not pitching well for the past two weeks, especially since we know, what is it, a forearm, elbow, shoulder? Uh, his was a a nerve irritation in his arm. I don't know. I don't know how you could trust elbow. him today. I mean, Texas doesn't clobber the ball anymore. But how could you trust Mike Fires at all in the final week? Exactly. Like I'd rather go with Merrill, Ke- Merrill Kelly, who I think has three consecutive good outings. I wrote about it in yesterday's blog. He's at San Diego. Padres are in the tank. Manny Machado hasn't hit all month. I'm going to lose a league because I lost Baez and Machado didn't hit in September. That's mainly the reason why. You know what can I do? I'm not going to drop them. So Merrill Kelly. To your point earlier in the show about how the injuries, I, I mean, it has happened every year where teams have shut down players and there have been injuries, but it does seem a little bit more extreme. And I'm in the same situation as you, two leagues where the volume of injuries has taken me down. Just uh, two teams. One of my teams, I, I can't even fill a lineup because there are too many players hurt. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I have a head-to-head league this week where I have Mookie and he's not going to play, obviously, now. I didn't know that on Monday. Yeah. It would have been nice if they had told me. I would have activated Laureano, who hasn't done much. So I might have lost the matchup anyway. I'm way down. I'm like eight to two down right now. Um, I needed that win. Oh my! I needed that Jordan Lyles win yesterday. And I'm watching the game, and I knew what Craig Council was going to do. I just thought he'd bring in a lefty to face the lefty Hosmer. But he didn't. He brought in Freddie Peralta. But basically, Jordan Lyles was at like 95 pitches, and he's at four and two thirds innings. They're up three to one in a game they're clearly going to win because Padres don't hit. And he takes him out at four and two thirds. It's the right move, but it really I needed the win in my fantasy league. But what are you going to do? Saturday's schedule. Let's take a look here. Um, Sean and I, I, you know, I understand why his, his percentage of being rostered is low is because, you know, a lot of people have moved on to fantasy football or getting ready for basketball. So why bother with Manaya if you're in eighth place? But, you know, Sean and I is really good. He's at home against Texas, a strikeout team. You want Sean and I in your lineup this weekend, um, for that outing. You don't want Cal Quantrill, who's been terrible. Um, you do want Johnny Cueto at Atlanta? No. I'm going to say no to that. Aren't you? Yeah. There's situations where I could see using him, but. Not this one. Not at the Braves. Right. It's a very good offense, and, you know, it's a deep team. Swanson about seventh or eighth. I mean, come on. Uh, a couple of Zachs you do want on Saturday. Zach Plesak at home against the Phillies. Jason Vargas has still not won an outing as a Philly. That tells you Cleveland's getting at least five runs in this game. Huh. And Zach Davies against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is just. Look, they've had some stuff going on off the field, but Pittsburgh hasn't hit in a month, and you take Marte and Bell out of the lineup, and what do you got? So Zach Davies, to me, that's a five-inning, one-run outing there. They they had hit before Marte's loss. They had hit for a couple weeks, but to your point, the the lineup is it's kind of a patchwork lineup at this point. They are trying to fill in for injuries as well. It's a good opportunity. Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN with the gang has Vince Velasquez and Adam Plutko. You don't want either of those gentlemen on your fantasy team. That game starts at 6.30 p.m. Apparently, ESPN Plus has Rockies at Dodgers. Walker Bueller should motor through that Rockies lineup. Um, what else? I am, I am a little surprised you don't want Plutko. I'm a little surprised by that. I mean, I've seen Plutko pitch. I think that's probably why. I yeah, mean, there's but- something you don't, I mean, obviously, the Phillies are an on and off again lineup, but... I mean, Plucko is not a strikeout pitcher. Plucko is the AL Zach Davies to me with a lot of home runs. Is mm-hmm. that fair comp? I mean, yeah, that's a, yeah. the whip is better than the ERA because he doesn't put men on base, but he gives up runs. That's the problem with Adam Plucko and Zach Davies. They don't even go, I mean, they're not even going deep into the games. I mean, I'm looking at Plucko's line series. He hasn't finished five innings in two of his past four starts. Mm-hmm. So I don't have well, confidence. Yeah. And the thing is that most pitchers are not pitching all that deep into games. So you've got to be 
<laughs> you got to take some chances. That's one of the better ones, I think. We talked about him with the two-start thing at the beginning of the week. It's not his better outing of the two, but... So Sunday also has Luis Severino at home against Toronto. Does he go five innings there? And Brandon Woodruff at home against Pittsburgh, the terrible offense. Does he go five innings there? So what are your – and Blake Snell apparently is now pitching, uh, I guess, Monday instead of Sunday because he pitched the same day as these guys before earlier this week. So what do you do with all three of these guys um, for Sunday slash Monday? So I'd say Severino is probably going to get into the 80s of the pitch count. And based on it being a Toronto matchup, I think he's a go. Uh, I, I actually do think the Yankees are going to try to work him up to be a starter for the playoffs. So that's – a reason for optimism in these final two starts. Woodruff, the Pittsburgh matchup, we're going right back there where it's a, a good, favorable one. I'd rather have it in the Pittsburgh ballpark, but I think he could give you maybe four innings. I don't think Woodruff's going to work all that deep. I think they are trying to build him up to be a guy who partners with somebody else if they can get into the playoffs or if they get into that wild card game. Uh, and Snell, Snell looked good. <laughs> when we get to Snell, I mean, I, I think, you know, if he gets two starts the final week, could be a useful guy. It sounds like fodder for our Monday podcast. That's it for the first half of our show. Now time to play some music. All right, we got some hash browns here. Let's read them and then move on to our weekend. Michael's up first. How high are you drafting Matt Olson of Oakland next season? A lot of power this year, Tristan. Good player, underrated player, was injured and, and available on free agency in a lot of leagues, I believe, including one of mine. Um, and now he's been my first baseman for four months. But... Um, Never going to win a batting title, okay? <laughs> That's another guy. And when I say that, it's because he doesn't help your batting average. But 269 is not that bad right now. That's above league average. And it's probably above... What are fantasy teams winning their league titles with? Like around 270, right? 275 at the highest? I don't even think it's that high. For a winning title. Or for a winning number, probably, yes. But like median, it would be like 250. So Matt Olson's fine in that respect. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I like him. He's, is Matt Olson a top 10 first baseman for you? Uh, I think so. I'm not overwhelmed by the, the talent at first base going into 2020. So my early look at the ranks, I, I think he was eighth in my first draft, which the final one I'll have coming up in about five days from now. So he's number 14 on the season player radar among first basemen. But there's a couple of players on that list that are not really first basemen. DJ LeMahieu, um, Danny Santana. Man, Danny Santana because of the stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he's behind right now Goldschmidt, Max Muncy, Rizzo. I think he will end up being behind Goldschmidt and Rizzo and Abreu in drafts next year, but I still think that's a top 100 player. I think I'd take him over Muncy. Actually, yeah, looking at his pure quality of contact numbers. Very good. Extraordinary. Wow. They're even better than I thought they were. He's a top 100 player, but again, over Rizzo or Abreu or Goldschmidt, Josh Bell, I don't think I could do that. But maybe Carlos Santana? Maybe uh, Carlos Santana is kind of the, the the league context type player where if you're getting rewards for the walks, he's better. I, I think Olsen's better in just raw traditional rotisserie. Spencer is worried about the hot and cold nature of Raphael Devers, his words. Uh, over under for 2020, 120 runs, 35 homers, 110 RBI and 10 steals. I don't, he's not real. He's not hot and cold enough if that that's what he's ending up at. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, you can complain about Raphael Devers if you really want to, but man, he has been a top, where is he on the player? He's number eight among all hitters on the player radar for the season. So while I'll grant you he's had a couple slow streaks, I cannot find any fault with Raphael Devers. I mean, he's going and isn't he going to go in round two next year? Wait, Raphael Devers versus Bryce Harper. Don't you have to take Devers? Oh, geez. I, yeah, I guess you do. I mean, and that's I not really a rip like on Devers. Harper. I mean, Harper's batting 250, but Devers could bat 300. So, I, I mean, I would, I think you'd have to take Devers. 
All right, let's just do it separately of other Probably. players. Probably. He's a round two player. He feels like a round two pick to me. Early round two. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, if he's putting up Freddie Freeman numbers and Freddie Freeman's going late round one, why wouldn't Devers go early round two? Yeah, and I mean, consider the age, too, which which kind of gives you Younger. the likelihood of, of repeat. Yeah, he's got to play next year at 23 years old. I think, I think Devers is, like, off the top of my head, like the number 15 player, including pitchers. I'd have a hard time disputing that. But to the point of, of, of inconsistency, zero homers in April. Okay, that's the only criticism there. And he didn't I remember homer at all in April. He did not homer a single time in April, in wow. March and April. And uh, I remember pointing out that the quality of contact at the time said that that was a complete fluke, and he turned it around in May. The only other month I look at here that's a quote bad month is two thirty and two homers this month at fifteen games. But if he's gonna. Is that awful? Is really? It's, it's not good. But if it, over a four month period he's been a top five player in fantasy baseball, right? right so right. I, I can't complain. You know the other comp this, I want to, you know, finish up. No, yeah, the 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 steals. We have he's no o- guarantee he's going to keep running. He's zero for three since July first. He yeah. has not stolen a base. He's zero for three since July first. Right, which I would take the under on ten stolen bases for next season. Yeah, I would too. Let me ask you a question here. It's not a hash brown, but it might as well be. So I was writing about Pete Alonso in yesterday's blog, and I half compared him to Aaron Judge because as a rookie, they have very similar numbers. I mean, the slugging percentage even isn't that far off, and obviously different baseballs. But overall, like if we say Aaron Judge is a is like the a top twenty overall pick next year, and we're trying to make a case for Alonso as like a top fifty, why why isn't it a guarantee that Alonso is right with Judge? Like, tell me why. Other than batting average, which isn't a guarantee on Judge, I would say. Why is Pete Alonso not going to get treated like Aaron Judge next year? Um, I can't figure it out. I, I can't. Nobody's even talking about this, but he's having the same year if Judge did as a rookie. So, just to be clear on this up front, it's nitpicking here. Team, ballpark, and Judge's quality of contact and all the power metrics are a hint better. Again, nitpicking. It's close. So you're right. It, 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 they probably should be closer in the initial rankings than people are going to have. You see what I'm getting at here? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Like, where people are saying, oh, I'll take a Jose Abreu and Anthony Rizzo or Pete Alonso next year. And I'm like, no, I won't. I will take Alonso over both those guys and Reese Hoskins and Carlos Santana and Josh Bell. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't I take Pete Alonso over? I, I, hate to say this, but every first baseman except Freddie Freeman and Cody Bellinger. Like, what other first baseman has to go ahead of Pete Alonso in next year's drafts? I can't come up with one. Has to go ahead. Yeah. Why would you take Goldsmith over Pete Alonso or Anthony Rizzo? Because they've been doing it for 10 years. They're not... They're not doing the same thing now. Goldschmidt doesn't steal bases anymore. This is my rant of the day. People think I'm anti-Met. Why is Pete Alonso not a third-round pick next year and the number three first baseman off the board? I can't come up with a reason. Yeah, and I'm trying... Uh, yeah, looking at the list, I you're right. I, I None of these guys are absolute locks to be ahead of Pete Alonso, other than Freeman and Bellinger. Goldschmidt, I can make it, you can certainly make cases. Goldschmidt has two stolen bases this season. Right, so, but unquestionably everybody has to have Freeman and Bellinger absolutely. ahead I have, of I Alonso. Have Bell, we have Bellinger like three or four overall, mm-hmm. and Freddie Freeman might be like nine or ten overall. Mm-hmm. But Pete Alonso right now off the top of my head, number 23 overall, 25. Like, honestly, I'm having a hard time thinking why is he not better. If Aaron Judge is 18 to 20, Pete Alonso should be right behind him. Now you want to have some fun? I always do. Okay, because I will argue 
that based on their raw abilities, that Olsen is as good a player as Alonzo is. Yeah, I can make that case. Now the ballpark hurts him. And also, I you know, you know Alonzo- yeah, like the step down going from Judge to Alonzo to me is kind of like the step going from Alonzo to Olsen. But Olsen's Olsen's hard hit metrics. <laughs> he makes hard contact. He hits the ball ninety five plus mile per hour, uh, ninety five plus miles per hour using the Statcast metrics fifty two percent of the time. It's incredible, and I, and I could make the argument that if the baseballs go back to normal, Matt Olsen's numbers don't change. That's because of, yeah, because of the quality of contact. And in Alonso's case, his are alarmingly low for a player who hits with the power he does. So, his is 42%. That's a lot lower than anyone else on this list. So why am I not putting Matt Olson ahead of Rizzo and Goldschmidt now? That is a fair question. Like, why am I just assuming this? Like, I hate assuming, oh, you got it because we've done it in the past. Why am I not putting Olson ahead of Paul Goldschmidt, who's been uninspiring. And this is the philosophical question that I think you and I were getting at earlier on, is that it's not about whether Kevin Biggio, you know, do you you draft him where you think he's finishing on the player rate, or are you taking him 97th because you think he finishes 97th, or do you rank him where you think he should be drafted because that's where he, where his stock is? Well, I'll tell you what, I want to, I want to draft guys who steal bases that have power. I'm no longer drafting D Gordon. Ever oh, again? Geez, yeah. No, I'm just not, and I'm not. I'm not going to draft Malik Smith unless it's an AL only. In a mixed league, there's no way I'm drafting a guy who doesn't have power. Even on my NL labor team, all but three players I think have like 15 home runs, and I'm still going to lose. Basically, you need a ton of power to compete these days. Or, or, you know, you can't you can't roster Gerard Dyson anymore. Man, I'm looking at this first base, and I'm saying that I think we've been Gallo- thinking about it all wrong. I think Gallo, Alonzo, and Olsen are going to deserve some very lofty rankings. Michael wants to know, Trent Grisham as a regular next season, 500 plate appearances, what's his projection? Let's assume he plays. I don't know how he would because Kane, Yelich, and Braun are still there. But um, if, if say, Ryan Braun doesn't play or plays first base, give me Grisham's numbers over 500 PAs. Um... Grisham, I'll say he bats two. See, I'm worried about the batting average. Him, I, I, I'll throw two fifty. I'm, I'm hedging here. Uh, with the baseball, what it is, I'll assume it's a repeat. Twenty four ish homers. I, I, and, and I mean, he hasn't stolen a base yet. Nary think, an attempt. He hasn't even know, attempted to steal a base. It? Yeah, he had twelve in the minors. Well, why bother? With the baseballs this way, why would anybody steal bases unless you have no power? But I don't feel like he's a natural five or fewer steal guy. I feel like he's a twelve, yes, I maybe fifteen. That's a, he's a tough read. Timmy says, "I feel as though these guys overachieved and helped me this year, but I'm not sure about moving forward. Who are you most and least confident in for a repeat? Kedel Marte, DJ Lemayhu, Jorge Soler. I think we've talked enough about Marte on this show, so let's get to the other two." LeMahieu going back to 25 home runs and a batting title. Solaire might lead the majors in home runs this year. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, and put Marte in that context of ranking because all three of these guys should take a step back next year, but how much? So the likelihood of repeat, um, I would say LeMahieu is first. Most likely to repeat is LeMahieu. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I'm going to say that Marte is second. Okay, so and, Solaire, and I, why, why aren't you buying Solaire? I, he has raw power. I hate that park. I hate that park. It's a beautiful park. park. Is, well, oh, no, yeah. For, as a baseball fan, it's fantastic. I mean, for but fantasy numbers. For, for, for fantasy production, it's awful for Jorge Soler's skill set. It's probably... 
Well, it's not the worst. It is easily one of the five worst ballparks for his skill set. He will translate nicely in sim. I can't believe I dumped him in one of my leagues. He, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You drop him into the right park in a sim league, he's going to hit 60 homers. <laughs> but he might cost you so many runs in right field. Um, final well, question. Yeah. This is Smash. Tristan has always loved Nicholas Castellanos, and now he's delivering in a big way. How valuable is he next year and in dynasty ranks? 27 years old, Castellanos. He has it with the Cubs, which reminds us that these players do get motivated by their surroundings. For four months, he couldn't do anything with the Tigers. Maybe he didn't care. Now he's in a pennant race, and he cares. And he might break the major league record for doubles. Doesn't he have like 60? Isn't he like at 55 doubles? 56 doubles. And the record is 60, I believe. Is it 60? I would have thought it was higher. I remember when Mattingly was going for it. It's not higher than that? Jeez. It might be. I'm. I'm... I'll, I'll get the answer for us, yeah. So, I mean, Castellanos is doing... like. He has always been a he's been a solid player the past three seasons, but he hasn't broken out. And now it looks like he's the breakout guy. Or is this the JD Martinez with Arizona? Well, JD Martinez with Arizona. Then he went to Boston, went even further nuts. I mean, as a Cub, he's batting three thirty. I don't see that continuing. Uh, nine walks in two hundred PA, <laughs> but he has fifteen home runs. Yeah. So are we going to finally project a thirty hundred season, or do we? Let's say, let's say he, is, he, he remains a Cub. Okay. I think that's, I don't want it to save because it makes the playoffs, they can blow it all up. But if he remains a cub in right field, he's durable. Like, what are you projecting? Not the best of defenders. That's a real contrast with Jason Hayward. Uh, terrible defender. <laughs> but Hayward, I think, is their center fielder now. Um, 30 and 100. Yeah. No, and I mean, I, I think I would, I feel that that's his true ability. Uh, it's about time he's finally showing it. The only thing that really bugs me about Castellanos is that, I, I don't like the motivation players where we talked about that, where he switched to a team that's competitive now, because then people can use the counter argument of the contract security and the letdown year. This is the Adrian Beltre thing from, what, 20 years ago. It's Manny Machado for now. Isn't that, aren't you yeah. concerned about Machado for next season because of this? No, I actually think Machado's a buying opportunity next year. I think he's a buying opportunity based on his current numbers. Right. But it's a long-term contract. You're not playing for anything. They're not contenders. I worry. Whereas I don't on Harper. Because um, Castellanos or Matt Olson next year. Ooh, that. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm. I'll say Olson. I will too. It's competitive, though. I mean, Castellanos should hit for a higher average, but more raw power. That's Olson. I, I think there's there's a with Castellanos. There's a lot of moving parts. It's very hard to forecast where that's going to be right now. I, I would like to see him wind up in a, a favorable hitting environment. Yeah. By the way, your uh, doubles record is 67 by Earl Webb in 1931. Oh, why did I think it was only 60? The okay. only only six players have ever gotten to 60, and uh, the most recent. I mean, all of these are pre-World War II, except for Todd Helton's 59 in 2000 and Carlos Delgado, 57. Hey, good, good for Castellanos. I mean, honestly, that's that's mm -hmm. a nice rebound second yeah. half for him. Yep. And I'm not rooting against anybody. I just think it's interesting how for four months he had 11 home runs as a Tiger. Well, maybe it's all changed now. I mean, it, it, we discussed that before about how it was a tough spot for him to be in in Detroit. He didn't have a lot of good surroundings. So no, you're right. You're right. But you're right. Motivation goes goes both ways. That's all for today's show. We thank you so much for listening to Fantasy Focus Baseball, and I think we'll be back next week uh, as the final week of the season progresses. Uh, please enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Be happy. Enjoy your football and your baseball. You can enjoy them both at the same time. I know I do, and I know Tristan does as well. For Troy Farkas pushing all our buttons, and Tristan, I am Eric. Have an awesome weekend. Everything is awesome. Darkness.